Welcome to the Nen Valley Vineyard podcast. What you're about to listen to is some teaching from our Sunday services. We're a church made up of people from Wellingborough through to Oundle spread across the Nen Valley and beyond. If you want to know more about us or find out how to get involved, visit our website, which is nenvalley.church, or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Nen Valley Vineyard. So, so for those who don't know, my name's Tom. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at Nen Valley Vineyard. And before we get into the talk, um, Simon's already spoken a bit about the work of, of Teen Challenge. And we're coming into a season for those who are um, homeless or otherwise struggling, where actually the, the, the weather and the temperatures and all the stuff that comes with winter is a real problem. Um, so next Sunday... We would, and from kind of here on out, really, uh, we'd love to encourage you to think about um, donating some items. I don't know if we've got that slide, Pip. Yeah, okay. So there's a mix of clothing and food and bedding. We'll put this on social media. We'll pass this out through via email as well. Um, my top tip for this is you can get some good thermal socks at B&M. That are, they're not expensive, but they're good. Um, but anything on this list that's kind of either new or in good condition and used um, would be hugely appreciated um, and keep some people safe um, this winter. So, and then Sally and Simon will go and distribute that. Is that right? Yeah, lovely. So, um, we'll put out a basket or something similar next week that you can just come and pop some of those items into. So, yes, don't worry about scribbling down all those notes. We'll pass out the list again. Um, last week, uh, Angie kicked off a teaching series called Come Holy Spirit. Um, and particularly in a vineyard context, that prayer of Come Holy Spirit is, uh, we don't really have liturgy, but if we had liturgy, that would probably be the one we would use the most. Where we try to come and pray without any particular agenda, but just come Holy Spirit. And this series is just a, a bit of teaching, exploring who the Holy Spirit is. Why do we relate to him? Why is the Holy Spirit good news for our change and transformation? Good news for our healing? Good news for our future? And good news for us today? We want to dive in just a little bit into the kind of the who and the what of the Holy Spirit and how he impacts our mission as Jesus' followers, to see God's kingdom come everywhere in every way. And actually, if we were brave enough to say this, if we want to become more like Jesus, actually how the Holy Spirit is central to us being able to be like Jesus. So last week, Angie just kicked us off in this, and just a couple of things that she said one was that we, we live in this kind of window of time where Jesus has come and started to bring about God's kingdom. But we would say God's kingdom has not come in full because if it had come in full, there'd be no more tears, no more sorrow. That, you know, We see some of that stuff. We see some of the kingdom now, but we don't see it in fullness. And we long and we wait for the day when Jesus comes again and brings the kingdom in fullness. 
And this window of time between Jesus coming the first time and Jesus coming again, we call the end times. Now, when I say the end times, some of you think, oh, no. He said the end times. What's going to come out of his mouth next? Because there is all sorts of discussion about what does the end times look like? What do these numbers have to do with it? Do you remember 2012 and the Mayan calendar thing? We're all going to die. You know, the end times. But the thing that's just sat with me all week from what Angie said last week, that actually this end times, the thing that characterizes this and makes it different from the time before Jesus is that actually it's characterized by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all people. She said it was, it's, life without the Holy Spirit is kind of like living in these houses that are connected to the national grid if that's the right thing for the electric, because here you understand that I know nothing about houses and how the, how the nation runs. You have all these appliances, you have fridges, you have freezers, you've got a TV, you've got a washing machine, you've got all this stuff, and yet we don't ever plug them in. There's this sense of that actually when Jesus promises the Holy Spirit, he's saying, hey, here's the thing you need, here is the power you need to live the good life that I promise you. And yet without the Holy Spirit, it's like we've got all the stuff, all the information, everything we need. But we're just not giving ourselves access to the power of the Holy Spirit. And this morning I want to talk about the Holy Spirit, Jesus and us. Actually, what might we learn by looking at how Jesus related to the Holy Spirit? And I want to start in Luke chapter 3. And we're going to jump around the Gospels a little bit this morning. But Luke chapter 3, verses 21 to 22, it says this, When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. So the first thing to say as we explore this this morning is Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit and he invites us to do the same. You know, in that that piece of scripture, Jesus is baptized in water like many of us would be familiar with. The Holy Spirit descends upon him and the Father speaks and says, this is my son, I love him. We see, this is one of those relatively unique pieces of scripture where we see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all interacting together. And we call that the Trinity. That's kind of the the theological term. And there are no good images to try and make the Trinity make full sense to you. Okay, It is one God in three persons. People like talk about the Trinity like an egg where you've got the shell and the membrane and the yolk. But you quickly find that that image just doesn't work because then people talk about going and buying egg whites in cartons and stuff like that. See, when Jesus comes down to earth, there is a reality in which he has to lay down some of his godly attributes to be able to come as a human being and experience life like we experience it. Does this make sense? So, for example, he is not omnipresent when he is in bodily form. That means he is not everywhere all at once. So we might talk about, you know, we might pray, oh, God is everywhere. He sees all things. He knows all things. Well, Jesus had to lay that aside to be able to come as a human. 
and there'll be all sorts of other attributes and stuff, and theologians can make very specific arguments. I think the reality is we just don't know. We can't really understand. But we know that actually part of Jesus' sacrifice wasn't just dying on the cross. Actually, his first sacrifice was laying down his right as the king of kings and coming down to earth to be around people like us. And we see that actually he, he himself, when he does that, he relies upon the Holy Spirit. He says, I can only do what I see the Father doing. In Luke 4, uh, verses 16 to 21, it says this. Jesus went to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing which is if they had microphones back then, that would be called a mic drop, where like, you, like, people are going to be stunned and probably angered and all sorts at this point because actually Jesus has stood up and said, I'm the promised one. But he starts that by saying, what? The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. Jesus himself is telling us that he is reliant upon the Holy Spirit. And what does he do when he, is, when he is working and living and walking with the Holy Spirit? He's proclaiming good news to the poor. He's freeing prisoners. He's giving sight to the blind. He's declaring the year of the Lord's favor, of God's kingdom come. He starts healing the sick. He raises the dead. He preaches the kingdom wherever he can. He feeds the poor. He dignifies the outcast. He casts out demons. He seems to know stuff about people that he shouldn't know. And after he's done all those things, Jesus dies on a cross. And when he dies on the cross, the curtain in the temple is torn in two. That curtain was there to kind of house the presence of God and keep the presence of God from us because we couldn't possibly come into the presence of God and survive. That's the imagery of that curtain. And when Jesus dies, the curtain is torn in two. And actually, that really, that signifies the beginning of this new era where the Holy Spirit is available to us. Jesus rises from the dead and for 40 days he appears to people in various places and he gives the great commission to go and make disciples to teach people to baptize them. And in Acts 1, uh, verses 4 to 5 and then verse 8, it's, he's saying, he says this to the disciples, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard let me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. His instruction is really clear. Wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And then you'll be my witnesses. And I think sometimes we hear that and we go, oh, well, then we'll be able to preach the gospel, which is true. 
But I think there's actually an expectation here. If we, what we see Jesus do is he preaches the gospel of the kingdom and then he demonstrates the kingdom. Okay, he just relies upon, you know, in a sense, he, says he does what he sees the Father doing. He's relying upon his Father to come and step in and do some things that actually in human form he couldn't do. Does this make sense? Because he's setting us an example. He's showing us how to live with the, in the power of and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I don't think that Jesus, you know, when Jesus says, wait on the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will come, it'll be wonderful. It'll be a land full of marshmallows and flowers. Okay? It's going to be just miracles and loveliness. I don't think Jesus actually expects that. But I think we have to be careful because I think we can think this, that when the Holy Spirit comes, everything will just be wonderful. And there are moments of like ecstasy in God's presence, right? But there is a lot of rubbish too. I don't know if you've noticed that in life, that sometimes you have bad, bad days. And I think Jesus models to us this idea that actually the Holy Spirit doesn't just come to fulfill our dreams and our ambitions somehow. What Jesus models is actually the Holy Spirit is sent to us so that we might discover and fulfill the dreams and ambitions that God has for us and for his kingdom come and for his glory. Sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead us where we do not want to go. Again, in Luke 4, verse 1 and 2, it says this, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry, which is a surprise. And I think we can miss how difficult a season this is for somebody. Because the Bible sometimes can just say things kind of matter of fact. Oh, he went out into the wilderness, he was tempted by the devil. Actually, this was all on his own in the wilderness. And actually, the, the wilderness probably didn't mean nice plowed fields where everything was kind of nice and safe. Actually, this is, you know, this, these lands were full of robbers and beggars and dangers and wild animals and all sorts of stuff. And he was hungry. And whilst he was hungry, the devil comes to him and over and over and over again is saying, you're not who God says you are. The devil takes a pop at his identity over and over again. And this is the first place the Spirit leads Jesus. Okay, we see just before that, actually, that Jesus is baptized, the Spirit descends upon him. The Holy Spirit doesn't send him to a big tent healing revival. He doesn't send him to a nice, peaceful prayer retreat. He doesn't send him to a nice coffee shop so that he can read Colossians and have a flat white and put the picture on Instagram. He, he sends Jesus out into the wilderness. Sometimes, in being obedient to the Holy Spirit, we may find that we are led where we do not want to go. That might be into ministry for some of you. That might be out of ministry for some of you. That might be a call to start a new career. It might be a call to stay in that job that you don't like. It might be moving house. It might be staying where you've always been and you wish you weren't anymore. Maybe that place is serving those people in that place. 
Or if you're like me, being an extrovert when you really don't feel like an extrovert or want to be an extrovert. It might be marrying that person, but it might be accepting singleness. It might be, and this, might, this one's a bit tough for some of us, it might be staying in your marriage. Okay, sometimes the things that the Holy Spirit calls us to are really tough and really practical. Maybe it is allowing God into the places in us where in our past we have been hurt and abused so that he can come and bring his healing. And if you're honest, you just don't want to let God into that space because just revisiting those things will hurt and cause you to grieve. But in all of these things, in all of the tough places, it's important for us to remember that actually the Holy Spirit can do his very best work in the places that we don't want to go. And this is a theme, you see this through Scripture. Just a couple of examples. Moses does not want to go and talk to Pharaoh. Gideon does not want to be Israel's rescuer by any stretch of the imagination. He is quite happy hiding in his house. Jonah doesn't want to go and preach to the Ninevites because they are terrible people. And he knows that if he preaches, they'll turn back to God. And he couldn't imagine people that terrible turning back to God. That seems so unjust. And actually in the story of Jonah, the bit that gets left out of all the kids' books is the bit at the end where Jonah says, God, I'm so angry, I just want to die. He goes into a deep, deep depression for following God and doing what the, what the Spirit leads him to do. Sometimes we follow the Spirit's lead into the Garden of Eden, and it's wonderful. But sometimes we have to follow the Spirit's lead into the Garden of Gethsemane, which is where Jesus basically came to God and said, please, if you can take this from me, please do it. Okay? The Spirit can and will lead us to both of those places. There is good news, though. In John 14, 15 to 18, Jesus says this, If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you will know him, for he lives with you and will be in you, and I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Even in the depths of following and obeying the Spirit, even into the dark places, but into the good places, what is Jesus promised? That he will be with us. He hasn't just abandoned us. He will be with us. And the Holy Spirit isn't some kind of substitute for Jesus. He isn't like the poor relation of the Trinity. And I think... The way we talk about the Holy Spirit sometimes in church, the Holy Spirit can be kind of treated as the, the one that's kind of like God, but not really God. It's kind of this, do you know what I mean? Like it feels like the language can be really confusing about the Holy Spirit. Kind of the sense of, well, the Holy Spirit will do till Jesus returns. And actually, even in that passage that I just read, you can read it in, with a sense of Jesus saying, oh, and I'll send another advocate. Just another one. But actually, that's not what he's saying at all in that passage of Scripture. 
The word that we translate another, some of you love when I start talking about Greek and Hebrew, I know. The word we translate as another from Greek into English can actually in Greek be two different words. And we translate them both as another. The first one is heteros. And this, this means another of the same kind. Another of, sorry, sorry, another of a different kind. Just confused, I'm now telling you it all wrong. Another of a different kind. So actually the context where you might see this most frequently is words like heterosexual, where actually somebody is attracted to a, a human of a different kind. Make sense? Okay. The other word we translate as another is alos. And that is another of the same kind. So when, when Jesus says there is another advocate, what he's saying is there is another just like me coming. And the reality of the Holy Spirit is we see him through Scripture, just like we see the Father, just like we see Jesus. Scripture is rich with the Holy Spirit. We see him hovering over the water at creation. We see that he empowers artists when they're building the tabernacle. He promises to be poured out on all in the book of Joel. And there are so many more references in the Old Testament that I could go to here. And if you want to, I would encourage you to go to a website like BibleGateway.com. Just type in the words Holy Spirit and you'll see. But the Holy Spirit, actually, is the way that Jesus is conceived, which is an utter mystery. He is the power that Jesus has to do the work, the work that he has been called to do by the Father. The Holy Spirit raises Jesus from the dead. The Holy Spirit then finds 120 pretty scared people in a small room in Jerusalem, falls upon them and turns the world upside down. This is the Holy Spirit that we have access to, that we can walk with, who can be in us and work through us in spite of us. And when we learn to walk with him and in him, we are discovering actually part of what it means to really be human again. Be the kind of human God created each one of us to be. And if Jesus was fully man on the earth and needed the Holy Spirit, how much more should we need the Holy Spirit? If Jesus says that we can know the Father and we can know him through the Spirit, then why would we not want the Holy Spirit? If Jesus says to wait for the Holy Spirit, what do you think might be the best thing to do? To wait for the Spirit. And maybe you're here, and maybe if you were honest, you'd be like, you know, I'm just tired of church. The Bible just seems really dried up, and I'm struggling with it. I'm fed up of praying. It's difficult to make time to pray. It just doesn't do anything for me. I'm tired of my life with Jesus being this kind of sense of duty where I just have to keep doing stuff and doing stuff because I know it's right, but there's just nothing there. And I think this morning, if that's you, then there is an opportunity just to wait for him. Now, in Ezekiel 37, this is a, a relatively well-known piece of scripture. It says this, The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord 
and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. And he asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. And then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to those bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put my breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. If you see a human skeleton, you know that that that's or is or was a person. You know that that is or was a human, but they're not human at the same time. When we're filled with the Spirit, God can do a work in us to restore us to our humanity in the way that he created us to be in the Garden of Eden, which is what? With him. And even that phrase, God's breath. Often when we talk about the spirit in the New Testament, there's this word pneuma, which just means breath. Maybe this morning you just need God to breathe on you afresh. So just super quick summary. Jesus was empowered by the Spirit, and he invites us to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit leads us where we do not want to go. And maybe this morning for some of us, it's just going, Lord, that's me, and I'm resisting you, and I don't want to resist you any longer. And the Holy Spirit is plan A. Okay, to be filled with the Spirit, to know him, that is plan A for us. So it would be good just to spend some time waiting for the Spirit this morning. And if you are that person that's like, I feel like dry bones, then my encouragement to you is wait as long as you need. We've got this room till like 1 o'clock. If you need to wait till 1 o'clock, wait till 1 o'clock. We'll have to dismiss everybody else, so if you're the only one left, don't panic. Okay, but you can wait. And if you want people to pray with you, people will pray with you. Should we stand? I think so so often in our culture we just want what's the word? Instant gratification. This is the world that we live in, where you want something, it's on your phone. You want to order something, it can arrive at your house by 10 p.m. by Magic or Amazon. But actually, those 120 people that waited on the Holy Spirit were waiting a long time. So my encouragement to you this morning is, even with kids, it doesn't matter if kids make noise, we can ignore that. It doesn't matter if there's other things going on, we can ignore that. 
For some of us, you need to wait long enough for all the thoughts that crowd your mind when you try and wait on God. You need to wait for those to dissipate. Well, thanks so much for listening to this teaching from Nen Valley Vineyard. We pray it blesses you and produces good fruit in you. If we can connect to you or help you engage with our community, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us via our website, which is nenvalley.church.